When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Or also, our good friend right here, at the Upside Swings Podcast, Lakerholics.com, or the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, I told you I was going to have this guy on. I tell you what, he is once again one of the preeminent NBA draft experts, and the NBA draft for now has ended 2021. But 2022 and the projections out there, that's already started underway for this man. And you got to check out what he's doing at the Upside Swings podcast, plus his great work. And a fellow Lakers fan, Stone Hansen. And Stone, we will be talking about that little trade that happened this week, a little bit later on in the program. We've already shared some thoughts on that, but I want to go ahead and talk first off the NBA draft. Great to have you here, my friend, and continued success with the podcast you now have. Yeah, uh, it's great to be back. Um, the draft was a blast, you know, uh, and even though it was had a dark cloud over it on that day after the trade, I think um, I, I still really enjoyed the draft. It's always my favorite day of the year, so excited to talk about it. Always interesting, and it's so funny because I equate so much of what happens with the draft to what happens during the NCAA tournament. And you know, everybody has their mock drafts that are out. Everybody also has their brackets that come out during that time as well, during March. And then, of course, everybody has their mock drafts that come out shortly before the draft. And as the draft continues, and also as the tournament continues, both of these brackets and mock drafts, they have a tendency to blow up in everybody's faces by, you know, the early on. Sometimes the first round when it comes to the brackets and in the case of the mock drafts, it started as early as four. So I, I often post a David Caruso gift from CSI Miami, where he's walking away from a car that's blowing up, you know, still has the shades on, still looking badass and all that. And I just pictured that going on for a lot of other people as the draft quickly continued and spiraled out of control in a totally different direction from, I think, what a lot, virtually everyone out there was thinking and seeing. But like you said, it is one of the most 
enjoyable days of the year for us NBA junkies. Pardon Rafael Barlow for NBA draft junkies, I should say, NBA draft junkies per se. Please go ahead and go ahead and check it out what, always what he's doing. And yes, as I was driving up I-15, because I was delayed because of issues which you can hear about on the previous episode, Lakers Fast Break, I was streaming live the Locked On NBA Draft podcast with Raphael and Chad Ford and all that. And just hearing their perplexion on <laughs> yeah. quite a few occasions was very funny and very amusing and also very uh, interesting for everyone out there. But you've got to be, like you said, it's just one of your favorite times of the year, but you got to be perplexed at some of the things that went on during the course of the draft. Actually, starting very early in the draft. Yeah, it started all the way at four when when the Raptors took Suggs or uh, excuse me Barnes over Suggs, um, and then from there just carried on out. I think the next big surprise was at six when the when the Thunder took Josh Giddy. They had been linked heavily to James Booknight before then, and yeah, after that it just kept coming. Another huge one was the the Spurs taking Josh Primo um, at twelve. So it, it was just. A, one of the crazier draft nights I can remember. Yeah, a lot of things that didn't go as planned for a lot of individuals out there and teams, which I think reached on on some some picks out there that I think could they could have gotten later in the draft. They could have traded down. I think, like you talk about with Josh Giddy, I think they could have traded down to get him at a maybe in the late you know, eight, nine, ten. Maybe they should start worrying about then. They could have traded down and got an extra pick. Same thing with the Raptors. You know, I know Jalen Suggs have been talked about most predominantly at number four. I still think maybe that was kind of a mistake. I know Barnes was high up on a lot of people's list because of his versatility, but I think Suggs is a winner, a lot of intangibles there. I, I just see so much from him that I, I just couldn't understand why he was falling so low. But we saw this throughout the night. We saw these players that we had projected high, a Butler from Baylor, I think, was probably the, I don't know, the the guy that's out there and most glaring in regards to individuals that were dropping much, much lower than anticipated. But for you, is there one individual out there that you saw that you thought, wow, why is this guy dropping so far, so fast, so low? With Butler, I, I've been high on Butler for a long time now, pretty much this whole draft cycle. Then I had him all the way up at six on my big board. Yeah, I would have taken him that high. And I think he he fell. A lot of it was due to teams being concerned with his medicals. He's had a heart issue since going into high school, actually. He was, he was supposed to go to um, Alabama, but they, they flagged him because of that heart issue, and he had to go to Baylor instead. So that's been something that's sort of followed him uh, all along. And um, But I think the fact that he got passed by the NBA's panel gives it a lot of room for optimism moving forward because they're really strict. I don't think the NBA would allow somebody with heart condition if it was extremely serious to, to play in the NBA. So didn't they get somebody and flagged Isaiah? I forget his last name from Baylor, a six ten, six eleven player yeah. about three or four years ago. They actually had him work with them in the NBA for a little while, and he was very. I don't know if he, I think he wanted to return back to playing, but I'm not sure if he ever did. Yeah, uh, Isaiah Austin. He had yes. uh, Marfan syndrome, and, and same with uh, Jonathan Jock. A year later, those were both guys I actually liked a lot as well, and uh, both had Marfan syndrome, which 
I'm not a doctor, obviously, so I don't know the ins and outs, but I know it's very serious and the NBA doesn't allow people that have that to, to play in the NBA. Um, but I, the NBA is very strict in terms of health. I mean, they take it seriously as they should. It's massive um, responsibility to have. So the fact that he passed that board and that panel, it gives me a lot of hope, uh, but I think it scared off some teams. So that's the primary reason why he dropped. But the, the other guy I would say that I was shocked dropped to where he did was Sharif Cooper. He's somebody that, I mean, there's just really no, to my knowledge, justification as to why he dropped that far. There's no health or anything. There's no, to my knowledge, character concerns or anything like that. So I have excellent no idea. Excellent playmaker. Excellent yeah, playmaker. He's... I know his shooting was very suspect. Yeah, I had him as a top 10 guy on my big board, and he, I figured he would fall into the late first. That's where a lot of people kind of figured um, because he is – yeah, he is very short. He says he's six three, but I think most people know he's about six foot. And he's he, he got measured at the combine about six four. What was going on with that? Yeah, so that um, was an entry error where they measured. They put James Booknight's measurements in um, for Sharif Cooper. So that was a that's an entry error. Um, and Sharif actually didn't measure at the combine. So he's not six three <laughs> he, he's about six foot but obviously there's time for him to grow still a bit and you know he had major concerns in terms of the shooting and and obviously defensively but there, you know you don't come across guys like Sharif Cooper that can pass and and shift defenses the way that Sharif can he's one of the best ball handlers in this draft an extremely talented passer can see the floor uh, he's one of those guys that that sees plays two or three times two or three plays ahead of the time. So he knows what's going to happen before it happens. And his passing reflects that. And as far as the shooting, I'm very optimistic on it, despite the fact that it was like very awful, probably the worst shot I would say uh, in this class, but he's tweaked his mechanics quite a bit, uh, which was a big reason why. And he, he's had um, the, the biggest thing we look for with shooters when we evaluate is free throw percentage uh, touch in the mid range and then three point volume. And he checked all of those boxes as far as indicators go. He was good at pretty much everything there. It's just the actual three point percentage. Um, so the fact that all those indicators were there and he's, he's already started to tweak his mechanics, give me a lot of room for optimism in terms of his shooting. And I, I couldn't figure out why he was dropping all the way to 40, 43, I think it was. So that's just kind of inexcusable to me. And I think the, the Hawks made out big time by getting him that late. I agree with you on that. I think he's going to be an excellent playmaker backup to Trey Young. I think that was somewhere where they were deficient last year, someone who could run the team, especially when Trey was out. You saw that, how hard it was for them to manufacture offense and actually could have made it a much better series had Trey stayed healthy against the Bucks, and maybe could have pulled off the big upset there had everything been a little bit more aligned physically for, I think Bogdanovich had a knee issue as well during that yeah. period of time. Yeah. So, I mean, the Hawks look really good with that pick, but there was some teams that really did well. And I, I know that there's universal praise for what we saw from the Houston Rockets, who I think a lot of people are really high on. You don't look by your facial expressions that you may not be as high on it, I'm just hearing, and I, I know you've heard as well from a lot of people out there that 
Jalen Green and Singun and and uh, also Usman Garuba and Josh Christopher is a pretty good haul. But it sounds like you may be a little bit different on that subject. Yeah, it starts with the Jalen Green pick. I mean, obviously, I can't nitpick it on, on it too much because Green was third on my board. And I think he's before I like, put it, I'll put a disclaimer out that I think Jalen Green is a fantastic prospect. He's going to be really, really good. I just think Evan Mobley was the right pick there. They he affects the game in so many different areas that that Jalen Green doesn't, and the fact that um, you know that I think Jalen Green has more replaceable skills than Evan Mobley does, or uh, Evan Mobley there, uh, and then also I'm notably extremely low on Singun. Um, I'm rooting for him. I think um, it, it sucks because he's actually a fantastic player. He's very polished. Uh, but what he does, in my opinion, just doesn't translate well to the modern NBA. He's uh, sort of a back-to-the-basket type center who predominantly scores um, in, in the paint uh, and off of um, post touches. He's got extremely great footwork over there. He's so polished. Um, he's a pretty decent passer, but he's not a great shooter. Um, he's a good ball handler, but he's so slow that it's not really functional. Um, so there's a lot of concerns for me. And then defensively, he, you can't, you don't really want Sengun like more than three feet away from the rim. Um, so there's a lot of concerns for me there. And I'm not necessarily sure I would have taken him uh, that, that high. Um, Garuba was a really great pick. I do like the Garuba pick. He's probably the best perimeter or, or all around defender actually in this class. Um, he's fantastic on that. And there's a lot of concerns with his shooting uh, but with Real Madrid, I think over the last like seven games, he shot like 37%. So he improved as the season went on. Uh, he's extremely high IQ. Um, so he, he chose on the, the defensive end, but offensively, I generally like to bet on those guys on the IQ translating uh, because he's really smart in terms of like how they use him in the short role and being able to pass out of that. Um, and then with, with Josh Christopher, he's an upside play. Uh, I'm somebody that's a little bit more skeptical, but it's totally justifiable to where when they took him. Um, he's somebody, if you are the Rockets, you, you should be taking those upside bets. Um, and it's a totally justifiable one. Uh, it'll be interesting, though, to see how he sort of plays alongside Jalen Green and, and Kevin Porter Jr. Because all those guys are pretty ball dominant. And um, <laughs> there are a lot of those... Uh, the guys who, you know, they, they liked the ball in the hands and to make the flashy plays and their score first guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how all those three click, but um, yeah, I'm not, I don't think they did terrible, but um, I'm definitely not as high on it as, as most people are. This is Raphael from NBA draft And you are listening to the Lakers fast break. Hey, hoop heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off 
the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Well, then if that's the case, I mean, there's got to be a team or two or three that stands out for you. And I don't want to take all the teams that you were so high upon because obviously I, I want people to go ahead and check out your show, the upside swings podcast, because where that's where you go into detail in regards to your thoughts on this year's draft. And I think it's a great place to go for people if they want to go ahead and check up on this year's and also next year's draft coming up. So I know you got some episodes on that, but is there any real standout teams that you just said, you know what, they just hit a home run. If you do listen to the Upside Swings podcast, I think a lot of people will know that um, Kai Jones to the Hornets was something we've been hoping for since pretty much last year. Um, as soon as they took LaMelo Ball, we were like, that that draft night basically was like, oh man, I hope next year Kai Jones goes over there. And, and somehow it happened. Um, so we were really stoked about that. And, um, you know, I think we talked about it really in depth on our podcast with our guest, um, the Witch Carolina on Twitter. He, he's a great follow. And it's it's such a good fit because they already have Miles Bridges and, and PJ there. Um, so having guys who are great lob threats that can also switch like that uh, alongside LaMelo is just the ideal the ideal roster construction there. And then they got James Booknight, obviously, at 11, who's I'm, – I'm a bit lower on. Um, I wouldn't have taken him that high, but I think – He's he's going to be a fine NBA player. He's um, a good enough defender to where he'll be at the very least a net neutral on that end. And then as as far as his offensive play, it, it'll be interesting to see how he pairs with Lamelo because he's I think most effective with the ball in his hands. But he's a fine off ball player. I don't really have concerns about that um, as a shooting guard. And he's an elite athlete, so even another lob threat for Lamelo. Uh, and then they got JT Thor, I think, at pick 39, um, who I w- had as a top 10 player on my big board. I knew he would drop much farther than that in the actual draft, but um, he's somebody, both him and Kai Jones are guys that aren't going to be super productive in years, probably one or two. Uh, but moving forward after that, they're guys who, uh, in JT Thor's case, at least, is a 6'10", 18-year-old wing who can create for himself, can shoot, can defend, um, and you know, all of those things, uh, are really valuable in a six ten player. So I'm really high on what they did in the draft. Yeah. That, that would be my, my big winner probably. Can we start to say now that Mitch Kupchak might actually be doing a job? Well, I've always loved Mitch Kupchak's drafting. That's one thing I, I think it's very hard to say he does bad. Uh, just leave for, him just just leave him apart and away from the free agents. Is that correct? Yeah, I was about to say don't don't let him sign free agents, but definitely let him run your draft room. Especially at twelve oh one right there at draft night, like previously. <laughs> yeah. Can you say Timothy Moskov? But uh need <laughs> I digress there. But yes, it is Stone Hansen, the Upside Swings podcast. Now I asked you for a winner. And you have a lot more winners on your show, the Upside Swings Podcast. So I don't want to go into too detail on that for you because i wanted people to go ahead and check out your show like i said earlier but is there any losers is there any disappointments is there any teams out there that a lot of picks or had picks or even had a pick that you just thought was a swing and a miss i know a lot of people are pointing to oklahoma city 
I think that's a lot of people trending in that decision. Uh, I am probably in the camp of that. I think they wasted a lot of their picks. I think a lot of their picks were could have been better utilized. There were other players in that round in that area that I think could have, could have served their future better. But you know what? That's Oklahoma City. They've got ten thousand picks, so they can go ahead and strike a miss a lot of times before it really gets concerning. But I want to hear your thoughts on who might have been a loser of the losers for the NBA draft. I will say really quickly um, that I was a huge fan of Oklahoma City. They're, they'd probably be another winner. See, yeah. uh, that didn't surprise me because you're thinking opposite of the general direction of, of what a lot of analysts out there. So I think that's yeah. actually very cool. So that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, is, why is that the case? Because I'm kind of leaning against what they were doing. I, I kind of thought because they made it, they obviously did some trades as well. Some of which I don't think they really needed to do to get the players that they got. Yeah. So uh, they did need to make trades in terms of consolidation. They, they had um, obviously a lot of first round picks. So I really like what they did in terms of trading that sixth pick when the, 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 the uh, rocket sticks and goon, and they got two futures for that. Getting two future firsts for the 16th pick is, is really no, strong that's, that's value. Good. Yeah. I, um, the giddy pick. I think the yeah, giddy pick. The, the giddy pick was interesting because, well, for me, I had giddy around like 12 on my board. So not not way below where they, he got picked, but um, I definitely would have gone a different route just in terms of best player available. But Or if they wanted I, him, they could have traded back and yeah, picked up another asset. Yeah, I think. It maybe it's tough because we don't have the intel, but it's I, I know like I had heard Memphis was really targeting him at number ten, um, so it sort of limits like you have three trades behind or three teams behind you that you, you sort of have to get on board to make that that trade with you. So it limits who your trade partners can be, and I think with Giddy, he's I like him in Oklahoma City because I think Giddy is gets misclassified much like Lonzo ball in terms of being like uh primary initiating point guards where I think they're better off served as wings. Like with Josh Giddy, he's six foot eight, 220 pounds, which is massive, but he's not a fantastic ball handler yet. I mean, he's fine, but he's also not very explosive. He has some athletic concerns. So playing him more off ball and as a elite passing connector, I think is a better role for him where Shea maintains his, value as sort of the offensive engine for that team but then uh josh giddy can be like an elite complementary piece there he needs to shoot better he does need to shoot better but he's still uh, that's something i'm willing to bet on with josh giddy because he uh all of his mechanics are fine the percentages weren't fantastic but they're not like you know eye-poppingly bad or anything i think he shot like 67 percent on free throws or something like that so there's stuff to work on obviously with him and he's he's not a great defender but the other thing is uh being a bad defender at six eight is much easier to hide than like sharif cooper at six foot so if you're a six eight bad defender it's not going to be nearly as um impactful as like a six foot bad defender and then the other thing with giddy too i would say is that they're really they're on a guard heavy, obviously roster, but Giddy is going to be somebody who he can connect all the dots for them. He's not going to be, you can put him in a role where he doesn't have to have extremely high usage and he's still effective. They also got Trey Mann. I know at 18, which I had Trey Mann as a top eight guy on my, my big board. I was super high on Trey Mann. 
Um, he's probably the best off the dribble shooter in this class. Uh, needs to get stronger. He does need to get stronger. He needs more rim pressure. He's probably a top five like ball handler in this class as well. So a guy who can who can consistently create his own shot is something that I think is one of the most important traits in an NBA player. Uh, and Trey Mann is one of the best at it in this class. We we know how prominent the pick and roll is in the NBA uh, in the modern NBA. And Trey Mann, it pretty much lives uh, within the pick and roll. Like I think he had the most pick and roll plays in college basketball this year, and he or or one of the most, and he w- thrived in it. So the fact that he was able to do that uh, and the big jump he took from a freshman to sophomore year developmentally gives me a lot of room for upside, or a lot of room for optimism in terms of his upside, I should say. Uh, and then they got one of my favorites, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, in the second round, who. I was way higher on than most people and mostly due to the fact that again, he could be really, he's somebody that I think um, he's never going to be any sort of like offensive engine or anything like that. He'll never be like a top four option offensively, but he's going to be somebody who does a lot of things that lead to winning plays. Um, He's one of the best switch defenders in this class, in my opinion, Um, really polished on that end. Probably the smartest player in this class as well because he lacks a lot of in athleticism, but he makes up for it in terms of where he positions his body, which is really impactful. And then uh, if he can, the shooting numbers aren't great again for him, but um, he was actually like in the 74th percentile in college basketball in terms of spot up shooting. So it goes to show that the raw statistics aren't necessarily the end all be all in terms of like shooting numbers. So I really like a the players that they drafted, especially at 18 and 32, are, are players that were extremely high up on my board. So just in terms of value and to where I had these guys is is why they won big time for me. But the initial question I know you asked was like a loser. Uh, and I'm going to go with the popular answer on this one. I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they they took – I don't know what they're doing there. I don't know if well, they – Well, first of all, they doing. didn't get Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma and didn't get rid of Buddy Heald's contract. <sighs> That was a big win for them, actually. Probably. <laughs> yeah, well, Buddy Hield's probably going somewhere else. But, man, I don't know what they're doing there, honestly, because they just – they took two great players, right? De'Aaron Fox is um, a fantastic offensive engine, great point guard. Uh, we don't need to spend a whole lot of time breaking down what he does. Halliburton is another fantastic complimentary piece there as your shooting guard. Why are you drafting somebody at 12 to be a backup? Um, I'm, I mean, nine. Or nine, nine, excuse me. A, a top 10, you're using a top 10 pick to be your backup, and I don't understand it. And a 22-year-old who has a streaky track record in terms of shooting, who's a great perimeter defender, but he's so small that I, I'm not sure how versatile he's going to be. He's not built like Marcus Smart, where he can guard like power forwards and things like that. Um there's there's so much so many questions there for me like I think Donovan Mitchell or uh, Davion Mitchell will be a fine player he's going to be a fine NBA player but at nine it was an extreme reach for me um I knew he he was obviously going to go lottery everybody had him there uh but for the Kings especially to take him it just makes zero sense for me there's no justification to me to take a backup that early a backup guard nonetheless that's easily replaceable so I have no idea what they're doing and then they took Nemius Keta in the second round who 
I didn't even have as a draftable talent. He's a big, he's good at passing and can protect the paint, has a little bit of touch around the rim, but I don't understand what they're doing in Sacramento. I really don't. I don't know if they do even. It's just, it's a mess there again. Well, you know, Vlade Divac has already left, so you can't blame him. No, I think it's Vivek. Yeah, and yeah, they're going to move Buddy Hill. He might actually be successful in having the team go ahead and play four on five, just so they can be a cherry picker down on the other end. (laughs) Yeah, I have have no clue. And uh, yeah, and then they got Tristan Thompson. We could go on and on about the Kings. It's... uh, it's so frustrating. And then Luke Walton is their coach. So it just adds fuel to the fire, but yeah, not a good draft night for the Kings, unfortunately for Sacramento fans. The only other team I want to talk to you about, because again, I want to save a lot for your show, the upside swings podcast. And that is everybody's favorite talked about team, whether they're winning or losing. That's not the LA Lakers. And that is the New York Knicks. Uh, They've been a source of much conversation in the NBA draft. A lot of analysts, I will say, on the surface, again, you probably might say otherwise, trending on this show, it seemingly that be the case. But a lot of people were disappointed in their selections, especially with what they had and what was available at that point in time. The fact that they had two picks, I think 19 and 21, if memory serves, originally. I understand that they made some maneuvers, did some things, did some tweaks, but I don't, I'm not really happy with what they did overall in this year's draft. Yeah, so, well, with the draft, it's when trades are made, it's extremely difficult to keep track of everything that's happening. I still haven't absorbed every single trade, so I can't really speak on in terms of like what their trades involved because it takes a few days for me to absorb everything and sort of get a grasp for it uh, in terms of the moves that were made. But the Quentin Grimes selection in the first round was something I was not a fan of at all. Um, I knew that he would go in the first round because he had so much buzz, especially after two big combine outings, uh, which we can get into the value of what that is because for some reason, two, two combine games uh, outweighs three seasons of production college basketball, but I don't understand what they're doing with, with taking Quentin Grimes there when you have Emmanuel quickly, who's already filled in as a very good um off the bench guard or even you can play him uh, in starting lineups. He just, whatever you're bringing Quentin Grimes in to do, Emmanuel quickly does it better. So I just, it just seems like, okay, Emmanuel quickly cannot get any respect. He was thought (laughs) of as an afterthought second round. I had actually picked him uh, somewhere in the late first round, which is eventually where he went ended up going. And I, I was kind of higher on him than, than a lot of other individuals out there. And he proved to be having a great season but he seems to be the type of individual that people always try to replace him with someone else. And I think that's probably going to be the justification of his career is that he will always end up being or coming out on it, a little, you know, smelling like roses because he, he, he provides so much to a team, but not to the point where you think, oh, man, he's just really going to be our guy. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how the Knicks use him and Grimes. I I would be pretty surprised if any of the three rookies um, they took or or four rookies, excuse me, are going to be getting like any substantial minutes uh, because it is Tom Thibodeau and he doesn't like rookies apparently apart from Emmanuel quickly, but um, yeah, I was going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, I, I Grimes is just somebody he's 
um, we can like we talk about it on the Upside Swings podcast in terms of why I don't value elite shooting as much as most people. But he's uh, Grimes is just that he's a shooter. I don't really lo- love his creation ability, especially like at a quickly level. Uh, and we'll, we can move on to the other guys they took. Like I know they took uh, Miles McBride at thirty six. I really liked that pick. I was super high on Miles McBride at West Vir- coming out of West Virginia. He is he's somebody who's good at everything, and, and it's really hard to say he's bad at any one thing. But he, it's really also hard to say he's like great at any one thing outside of defense. He's somebody who can play on or off ball, so it gives them a lot of lineup versatility. He's super strong, so that's um, he was actually in the 100th percentile in terms of posts as a guard in college basketball. He's somebody who, if he's able, he seems like a guy who Tom Thibodeau would give minutes to in his rookie year. He he's just he's a really hard worker, really strong defender, uh, and that's pretty much what you need to be in a Tom Thibodeau rotation. But um, then you got two guards again in front, yeah. or trying to put way in front of Emmanuel quickly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then we'll see though what happens with Derek Rose too. Because yeah. if you were to move on, that opens up some minutes there. Uh, and then I loved their draft in and stash Alec Burks. pick. Yeah, and Alec Burks as well. I loved their draft in stash pick with Rokas Yokobetis. I know Rafael Barlow is also super high on him. I've been watching him for about three years now playing uh, overseas and he's somebody who is, I would say the best movement passer in this class. Um, And what I mean by that is his ability to um, off of drives, find guys on the perimeter uh, or or in the lane and get the ball exactly where they want it. He knows exactly where his teammates like to catch the ball. He'll always put it in the shooter's pocket. Um, Really crafty guard. He's not super athletic and he's, he's got a great touch, really good shooter defensively is where a lot of his problems lay. Uh, but he got better in terms of like defensive screen navigation because um, a lot of times screens will impact and that'll just take him out of the play, but he's gotten better at anticipating them. He'll probably, I think he's going to Barcelona now. He'll probably go over there for at least a year or two, develop a little bit more, but I think he's going to be somebody who's pretty impactful when he does eventually come over um, if he isn't, the rights to him aren't traded by then. And then their last pick, um, if you have it, you might have to remind me who their last pick was. I should have it. Like I said, it takes me a couple of days to fully <laughs> to fully grasp everybody who was taken. But overall, the, I mean, the Knicks did okay. The Jericho Sims, the I Sims, think. Yeah, Jericho yeah. Sims, uh, that's Jer- correct. He was picked he, uh, third from last. Yeah, I mean, it, at that point, it's sort of just like preference over who you like the most. Um, Sims is somebody who rose a lot throughout the combine again, um, obviously had that popular sort of video where he hit his head on the rim during a pro day workout, uh, cause he's super athletic. He hasn't really developed or grown during his four years at Texas, which is sort of, uh, you never really want to see flatline development. Um, that's sort of a red flag for me and it is what it is. I mean, it's the 58th pick, so it's really hard to nitpick at that that late in the draft, but not probably who I would have gone with. So overall, I think the Knicks did okay. I'm not a huge fan, especially of the Grimes pick in terms of who was still available. There's a lot of value still available, I think, when they took Grimes. But the fact that they got Yoko Betis as the, probably my favorite draft and stash guy, along with Miles McBride, sort of makes up for it a little bit. So 
they did okay overall i would say if i had to give them like a grade i would give them a b probably a solid b so uh they came okay with the draft and that's just a taste of what you can listen to at the upside swings podcast where i'm sure stone goes into even more detail on many of the winners and losers and impressions of the NBA draft. Join him and the rest of the guys. I've been on that show. I had a fantastic time. I hope I, I will be allowed to come on to that show at some point in time again. In fact, I think uh, I went viral amongst the Lakerholics community after I went on that show and made the comment I did that the best option was to not draft the 20, number 22. <laughs> Which we didn't. Yeah, which we didn't. And in hindsight, uh, maybe I was wrong in that. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. <laughs> because what they did with that number 22 pick, and also as well what they did with KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrose Harrell, who opted into his contract for this year, they got traded for two second round draft picks in 2024 and 2028 and a guy known as russell westbrook who brings with him a lot a lot of baggage a lot of money and a lot of other things as well but my friend uh, as i get you back here on the show i know you and i already had a lot to say about it before we went on the show i know if people hear my russell westbrook to the lakers episode we just did the one that you will hear before this I have a lot to say on that show. I can just say I am not in favor of it. it. The optics, it just doesn't make sense to me during the playoffs. I'm not talking about the regular season because the regular season, because if LeBron and AD are healthy, you can roll out uh, you know, three junior college guys and you're going to probably win close to 50 games. I mean, I, I see easily still a 50 to 55 win team, no problem. It's the playoff matchups that count. And, and, Laker Tom was saying, it's all about stars. It's all about stars. And I said, no, no, no. It's all about matchups. And to me, as we saw in the bubble playing against Westbrook and when he was with Houston, it it was a matchup issue that Houston could never solve because of Westbrook's inability to defend and shoot. It's all about stars, but it's all about stars that can fit together. And I think with Westbrook, it's very difficult to construct a team around him, let alone a team that consists of LeBron and Anthony Davis, because now you're taking a lot of usage out of LeBron's hands. Um, We've seen Westbrook cannot play off ball. It's just some, it's not in his DNA. He's never going to be able to do it. 
no matter what he says, it's throughout his career, he'll never be an off ball player. And then to force LeBron into that role, you're, you're taking away LeBron's most effective attribute, which is being an on ball guy. He's, you know, still remains one of the best in the league at it. And to take that away and give it to Westbrook, who has tons of shooting difficulty. Um, and the problem with Westbrook is if it doesn't go down, he will keep shooting. If Westbrook isn't efficient or getting to the rim efficiently, which we've seen drop off a little bit, he's getting older, the athleticism is is fading. If he can't do that effectively, offensively, I really struggle to see what he brings to the table outside of advantage creation. He is going to be a guy who will consistently be able to create for others just because he's so athletic. Despite it, you know, uh, taking a step back a little bit, it's it's never going to be to the point where he can't create for others. But outside of that, if you can't shoot and you're next to LeBron and Anthony Davis, that leaves so many questions in terms of how you fill out this roster. And the biggest problem with that, now you have Westbrook and you gave away Four of our, we're working on the margins as it is, as a contender. Every contender is generally working on the margins to, to get better. And now you have traded away four assets that were our, our best assets as marginal assets. And you have pretty much nothing now, unless you're able to get a Dennis Schroeder signing trade, which we'll see how realistic that is. So now you're stuck with Westbrook and you have really nothing to improve upon uh, in terms of trades because you give away all the assets to get Westbrook. So now the, the margins we are working on are slim to non-existent now. Um, so it's very difficult to, to f- the roster needs a very specific roster construction. And now that you've given away the, the marginal assets, it's an extremely uphill battle to uphill climb to fill out this roster with the specific needs without the, the trade assets. Oh, there you go. I mean, I couldn't have said it much better myself. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't fit. It comes down to it. Like you said, it's just something, you know, we talked a little bit about the rumors that the Lakers are going after or could see a arrival of DeMar DeRozan. And he's a horrible three-point shooter, but he's very efficient inside the line, which could still be of some help to the team. But he doesn't really stretch the floor the way you need it either, but is a pretty good playmaker and has his, had his career high in assists with the Spurs last season. I, I I can even see that as being a better fit than what Russell Westbrook can give. I just don't I, I don't I don't see it. I didn't see it before, and I don't see it now. It just does not make absolutely any sense, other than the fact you are trying to force a pace to which other teams can't match. I mean. I've said it before that the Lakers in the bubble won the championship based off defense and their transition game. And last year they did not, or last season, they did not have the transition part of it. They had the defense, but not the transition. And I'm just thinking right now that if that's the case, yes, you want to push the pace and you have to with Russell. That's the only way you're going to make him stand out, make him a part of this team and a good contributor is if you push the pace. Otherwise I just don't see it working at, but in the playoffs, it, again, it just comes down to matchups, no matter how many stars you have. And if you have someone that deficient in certain areas, I mean, it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it's um, it's it's t- and you talk about DeMar DeRozan, who I, I think for the Lakers at this point, DeMar DeRozan is probably the best talent that they can reasonably acquire. 
Um, I know a lot of people will throw out other names, but it's just unrealistic at this point. And Damar is at the point where, you know, he might be wanting to ring chase a bit and, and take a bit of a lesser deal. Uh, I know we're above the tax apron, so we only have a 5.9 million uh, exception, mid-level exception. Maybe he would take that. And the problem, though, is the shooting. You, so in that case, you probably want DeMar DeRozan coming off the bench and, and being your lead bench scorer. But at the same time, some of those starters are going to be playing with the bench unit, and then you're going to have just more spacing issues. No matter where you put him, it's just going to be uh, sort of picking the lesser of the two evils in terms of where his space creation or space deficiencies come in. And then, you know, there's, there's rumors about like LaMelo ball or uh, Carmelo Anthony. Sorry. I got my mellows mixed up. Carmelo Anthony, who at this point is just shouldn't be getting minutes in my opinion. Rudy Gay. I would rather have Rudy Gay than, than Carmelo. I would rather hopefully get Otto Porter Jr. That's, that's the guy I would, I would hope. I would love Otto Porter Jr. But I expect him to, be getting a lot more money than we can afford Probably. in free agency. Yeah, it's you're you're at this point after um you, you really have to get creative and the only way you can do that is with a Dennis Schroeder sign and trade. And we don't know what that relationship looks like if Dennis Schroeder would even be willing to do that for the Lakers. It's going to depend a lot on where other dominoes fall in free agency. I know like the Bulls and the Knicks are rumored to have interest, but it sort of depends on which one of them gets Lonzo Ball, uh, where Kyle Lowry goes. A lot of other point guard dominoes have to fall before we can really get a clearer picture in terms of where Schroeder goes and, and what sort of that sign and trade would look like. But that's probably our best route in terms of acquiring another asset. You know, maybe... I, I think at this point, the very, very best case, like sort of the dream scenario for the Lakers would be maybe getting DeMar DeRozan with that, that mid-level exception, even though it's only at 5.9 million. And then uh, trading away Dennis Schroeder for like two rotational players, uh, because at this point it's probably best for them to try and acquire like two players to fill out the roster instead of just one more sort of usage player. And, and then work with minimums with the rest of it. It's very difficult. You're you're picking off of the scrap heap at this point after you get either a Dennis Reader signing trade or, or DeMar DeRozan. There's a lot of questions with this team and they needed, we talked about, I know last season or, or maybe the beginning or, of this free agency or off season that the Lakers had very specific needs they needed to work out. And I don't think they filled those needs at all. <laughs> and it's tough now because... Uh, well, they did not only did not fill those... You know, they made them worse. Together. Yeah, they made them worse, so... <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, they have the talent, but none of it fits. So it's just, it's so weird. I am... The, the healed trade would have been way better because you have Contavious called Wool Poop and you have the 22nd pick. Could have packaged that for something else. Um, you could have packaged that for something else, or even keeping them could have been more valuable. Having those two assets in Healed could have been more valuable than having Westbrook. I think Healed, honestly, or even KCP, honestly, what they bring to the table is more valuable to the Lakers than what Westbrook brings to the table. And that's not to say either of them are better players than Westbrook, but the skill sets that they bring are more valuable than what skill set Westbrook brings to the Lakers. And it's a lot of people are going to get wrapped up in the big name, but it's just not viable, in my opinion. 
Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast, My Worst Holiday, and you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. I'll tell you what, my friend, I I feel the same way that you do, but I'm hoping that both you and I are proven wrong. I hope so. (laughs) Especially when it comes to the playoffs. Again, I don't see this... I see there good, there's going to be that some maybe some times of agitation for LeBron and and maybe like you said it's not going to click a hundred percent or the mix and the fit is not going to be exactly right but I think they can work through it during the regular season. It's during the playoffs that I'm really finding great concern because as we've seen, there's a reason why Russell Westbrook has not been an NBA Finals winner and I think part of it's because of his game is someone that gets targeted over the course of a seven-game series because of his deficiencies. And as he's gotten older, he hasn't gotten better at a couple of these things that normally you see older players get better at. You see older players get better with their jump shot. You see older players get better with their free throws. You see older players get a little bit more savvy on their defense, What you know, whatever they are losing in athleticism. And I just don't see that. I, I just don't see that at all. I see a me, me game and it's supposed to be a team team game. And I just don't see that changing too much because old habits die hard. I mean, Laker, Tom, Jamie sweet, they're all bought into this and they think it's great. And I just, yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to work he, out. This is his fourth team in four years and we haven't seen a changed Westbrook. So I think at this point, hoping for a different Westbrook is, uh, is chasing a, a golden goose because it's it, i don't think it's something that he's shown he can do and at this point in his career I'm, i don't think he'll ever do it neither do i neither do i but my friend there is something that people need to change to and that's if they haven't caught it already they need to change their lifestyle to not only listen to us here at the latest fast break but the awesome Upside Swings podcast because 2022 will get here faster than you think. And Stone Hansen and the crew, they're going to have a lot to talk about over the coming weeks and months in regards to that. Before we head on out, we're going to talk also as well about your lines.com column that you have going on there. You're going to have a 2022 mock draft up and all that. Actually, you already have that started. But before we head on out, my friend, just let us know what you're doing and how we can catch all the great things at report underscore court on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, at report underscore court on Twitter is pretty much where you'll find all my work. Um, I do work for lines.com. Um, I have a 2022 mock draft that hasn't been updated in quite a bit because I need to watch more um, EYBL and AAU games and FIBA U19 games um, because I was so caught up in this draft cycle. Um, so once once I do that, probably within the next month or so I'll, I'll update that. And then I also do the Upside Swings podcast um, where we go very in-depth into prospects along with my, my co-hosts, uh, Sports by Davis, uh, Bryce Hendricks, and uh, 
Cooper, uh, Cooper Porter, and um, we we dive really in depth into prospects. Um, we'll spend an hour on like three of them. Um, so if you really are, are that much of a draft sicko, then uh, go ahead and give us a listen. And I have some other stuff in the works, uh, some other little projects here and there. But if you want to keep on top of them, you can just follow me at report underscore court. Um, and I want to thank you again for having me on. I always enjoy coming on your podcast. Uh, it's always a blast. People should definitely subscribe and listen to all your stuff because Lakers are obviously the best team and, and you're one of the best at it. So I appreciate you thank having you. me on again. Always, my friend. Always. Truly appreciate it. Very humbled by those kind words. I'm surprised Chet Holmgren is not number one on your mock draft for 2022. Find out who's there by going to lines.com. That's a shocker you know, to start off with right there for you because everybody, oh, Chet Holmgren, the projected number one pick, blah, 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 blah. I thought he was 7-1 when I uh, third some of it, but, you know, 7-7-1, seven, seven, my gosh, who really at that point, you know, you're, he's tall. Let's just get that out of the way. Lanky, but my gosh, he's- the kid is talented. Yeah, I've. It's very rare to see a prospect like him, uh, and he's one yeah. of my favorites. And then, yeah, I mean, we could spend a whole another episode on all that. Uh, yeah, no, guy, no, no, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not giving away any other surprises. Yeah, I, the, yeah. Uh, the guy, could... the guy, of the year after him, I, I'll just leave off with this: Victor Wembanyama might be the best draft prospect outside of Luka Doncic that I've ever seen. So he's he's the real deal. Uh, I've already heard his name a couple times now, so yeah. we better get used to hearing it even more. So, is there any way he can opt in early? Uh, classify? He's. I think he's going to be set in stone here with the 2023 draft. So, I am not really sure on the classification uh, issue. Okay. Uh, there's people more plugged in on that than I am, but I, I think right now he's he's set as a 2023 guy. Okay, the only reason I'm asking, because there was a couple reclassifications for this year's draft. Kaminga yeah. to start off with, yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to ask and if that would be the case. Next year, uh, Jalen Duran, is, he's probably a top five prospect. He reclassified the next year from 23. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of fun prospects coming up. And if you want to keep up with them, then uh, hopefully I'll do a good enough job of describing them for you. <laughs> well, the NIL, even though it's much deserved, for all the college individuals out there is going to make it harder for your job to see who's going to be coming out, who's going to be staying in and who's going to be reclassifying because now the financial things that are out there and the possibilities are now all over the place. So yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's leagues everywhere. It's, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's the other league. That's not the G league ignite. Uh, what's the other league called? I forget that the, they're starting uh, up. The overtime started. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they started yeah. their own. Uh, the NBL has become very popular for prospects, the, the Australian league. Um, there, there's so many different uh, avenues that prospects can go now. It's actually really cool to see, uh, but it does make my job a little bit harder in terms of <laughs> getting all these subscriptions for different, different uh, places to watch them, but you know, it's well worth it. So you got to help him out by heading over to lines.com, checking out his mock drafts for 2022 and beyond whenever he posts them. The 2022 draft is already there. And of course, listening to as much as you can to the Upside Swings podcast. Well, Stone, great to have you back on. Again, the red carpet is always out for you, but you know that. In fact, it's lined. I recolored it. I, I colored it purple and gold just for you, my friend, as a fellow Lakers fan. Hopefully, you and I, your hair will not 
be as gray as mine by the end of next season after a season of Russell Westbrook, because that would be bad. It might be, honestly. <laughs> oh, he's going to put us through the ringer, I can tell you right now. So, my friend, though, it's still great to have you on. We're going to bring you all back on with your thoughts on the Lakers, this upcoming draft in 2022. We even talk about 2021. In fact, come on down the line and we'll talk about to see how these rookies are progressing. We'll give progress reports. I'd love to have you on for that. But Stone, it's just great to have you on. Any last thoughts on the way out? Uh, no, I think we uh, pretty much said it all. Um, just thanks again for having me. And uh, hopefully everyone listening enjoyed. I hope so as well. I know they did because, you know, they've got you hooked up right here. But again, please check out what he's doing at lines.com. Everything that he, you follow him, follow him at Twitter at report underscore court. And of course, his great podcast, the Upside Swing Podcast as well. But Stone, great to have you here once again. Looking forward to bring you back on when you can, the Mr. Busy Man that you are. But please come back. You're welcome anytime right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.